taking a look at the beginning chapters of the book of John, which I've had a, a, a good time with this. I hope you have too. Uh, it's uh, just amazing how, how much God can really speak to us in just a, a couple of chapters uh, of the scriptures. But uh, the beginning chapters of the book of John are right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And you may remember uh, back on Mother's Day, we took a look at, at uh, when Jesus first kind of entered the public eye, uh, when he turned water into wine at uh, a wedding feast near where he grew up in Galilee. And, and then we saw the next week, kind of the preliminary to these uh, next few weeks, uh, how Jesus uh, went to Jerusalem and he performed many signs and wonders in Jerusalem and people started believing in him. It's like, look at this guy who's doing all these signs and wonders. This, this is amazing. He must be from God. And it said that they began to trust in him, but Jesus didn't trust in them because he could see deep into their hearts. He could see their motives and, and everything. And so uh, that's a pretty profound statement that Jesus could see deep into uh, everybody's heart. And yet, uh, to illustrate that profound statement that Jesus could see deep into everybody's heart and soul, uh, the book of John goes on to share three stories to illustrate that point. Uh, the first story uh, was one of Nicodemus, uh, a Jewish leader who was hiding behind his spiritual resume, his uh, religious activity. And, and we found that he was a little reluctant uh, in fact, completely reluctant at this point in his journey to respond to the truth that, that Jesus uh, revealed to him after seeing deep into his heart. Second, we saw uh, last week the story of the woman at the well. Uh, she was a Samaritan, uh, despised by Jews, uh, and, yet, and she was hiding behind her shame. Uh, from uh, just not living a godly life at all. She was hiding behind her shame, and, and yet she responded to Jesus' offer of grace and truth. Uh, she responded with open arms. Um, in each of these cases, we saw how Jesus, he just jumped right for it. He, went, he got right to the heart of the matter. Um, he went for it with each person, and he saw uh, into their hearts, and he found some things that are surprising. Uh, to us. Uh, surprising to us because we just kind of see on the outside. We see Nicodemus, this religious guy who must have faith, and, and this woman who uh, was anything but religious and, and yet had, had a deep faith. Um, and so, so it was surprising to us what we found, and yet not surprising to Jesus because he could see deep into each person's souls. Um, and, and these original readers, the people who would have first received this, 1900 plus years ago, uh, if they weren't already blown away by the complete reversal of what we might expect uh, between Nicodemus and the woman at the, at the well, then they certainly would have been uh, completely and totally in great shock after reading this next story. It comes immediately after Jesus had just spent a couple of days in Samaria uh, with people who had come to him after the testimony of the woman at the well. This is our scripture for today. At the end of the two days, Jesus went on to Galilee. He himself had said that a prophet is not honored in his own hometown, yet the Galileans welcomed him. For they had been in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration and had seen everything he did there. As he traveled through Galilee, he came to Cana, where he had turned water into wine. There was a government official in nearby Capernaum whose son was very sick. When he heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, 
he went and begged Jesus to come to Capernaum to heal his son, who was about to die. Jesus asked, will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? The official pleaded, Lord, please come now before my little boy dies. Then Jesus told him, go back home. Your son will live. And the man believed what Jesus said and started home. While the man was on his way, some of his servants met him with the news that his son was alive and well. And he asked them when the boy had begun to get better. And they replied, yesterday afternoon at one o'clock, his fever suddenly disappeared. Then the father realized that that was the very time Jesus had told him, your son will live. And he and his entire household believed in Jesus. This was the second miraculous sign Jesus did in Galilee after coming from Judea. First we had Nicodemus, then the woman at the well, and now this government official. And, and before we can really understand the significance of what's going on here, it's, it's necessary, uh, and that's necessary for us if we want to understand the scriptures and, and apply it to our lives. We've got to kind of know what's, what's going on here. Uh, we, we first have to uh, kind of understand what is meant by government official. Who was this guy? What, what's the significance behind this fella? Uh, and, and yet and we discover, just kind of doing some historical study, that, that the only government in the area uh, at this time was the system of rule overseen by the Roman Empire. Uh, Herod uh, Antipas, who was, uh, he was essentially the governor over this region of Galilee. And if you're familiar with some of the, the biblical story, we, we, uh, we learn about this guy uh, in a couple of different times. Uh, he was the one who was responsible for John the Baptist uh, being beheaded, uh, having John the Baptist killed. Uh, we also uh, hear about Herod Antipas uh, when, uh, when Jesus was uh, under arrest and under trial, uh, under Pontius Pilate. Pilate was like, hey, this guy isn't even from my region of jurisdiction. So he sent him back uh, to, to uh, Herod Antipas, who happened to be in Jerusalem, who was the governor of Galilee, where Jesus was from. Uh, and, and Herod Antipas, he said, I don't want to do anything with this, so go back to Pilate. Uh, but, but we see about uh, Herod Antipas at those times. So, so it's likely uh, since he's the governor over that area, that this was one of his officials. This was someone under his leadership. And if that's the case, then this guy was probably ne neither a Jew nor a Samaritan uh, because uh, Herod uh, was, was known for his gluttonous ways. Uh, and his gluttonous ways would have excluded a Jew, certainly, from serving under him because he, it was just deemed completely unclean. It would not be suitable for any Jew to, to work for him. Um, and, uh, and Samaritans, even, it was, it was a little outside of their area of respect. So, so uh, it is most likely, and it would have been the assumption of any of the original readers, that this was neither a Jew nor a Samaritan, that this man was a Gentile. In fact, there are similar stories uh, in the accounts of Jesus' life from Matthew and from Luke that, uh, that, that fall in line with the story about a, a Roman government a centurion who was, uh, whose son was healed by Jesus in a very similar way. It's likely that this is the same story uh, told from the perspective of the author of, of this account of Jesus' life, uh, the, the disciple and apostle John. Uh, but, but what does it matter? that this guy was a Gentile. 
Uh, first off, I don't want to assume that you know what Gentile means. A Gentile uh, simply just means that this person wasn't Jewish. Um, so uh, he wasn't one of God's chosen people. He was an outsider, a Gentile. And, and the Samaritans, now the Samaritans, which the woman at the well was, uh, were a mix. They had some Jewish heritage from a couple centuries previously that was intermarried uh, and uh, uh, mixed with, with uh, people of the land, uh, Canaanites who lived in that region before the, the Jews came. So uh, the Samaritans, Jews saw the Samaritans as, as outcasts. Uh, so can you imagine how a Jew would, would, would approach a Gentile? It's like they, they would see them as completely godless pagans. Uh, they, they wouldn't want anything to do with them. Uh, as an unclean, they would see him as unclean, impure, idol-worshiping folks who Jews were not uh, even remotely allowed to be around. They weren't allowed to eat with them. They weren't allowed to touch them. They, they uh, were, were to have nothing to do with them whatsoever. Now, here's why that's significant. And I encourage you, you can follow along in your message notes. Uh, they, these, these stories that we've looked at over the past couple of weeks that are back to back to back here, they, they kind of have a trajectory, don't they? I, they start with Nicodemus, a Jew in Jerusalem, and we think on the outside that he's obviously a godly person, but we find that his heart is reluctant, not very open to, to the truth that Jesus shared. And then, and then we move to uh, Samaria, to an outcast, uh, a woman who we assume, based on what we know about her, that she wouldn't be a person of faith, she wouldn't even be qualified to be a person of faith, and yet she responds to Jesus' truth and his grace with an open heart. And, and now we move to the very very northern part of Israel. Uh, and we encounter a Gentile government official who no respectable Jew should have anything to do with or associate with. In fact, it, it may be a person who original readers would look at and say, this, is, this isn't just an, a person we shouldn't deal with. This is the enemy. He, he's part of the oppressive Roman government. This is the enemy. And, and yet, what do we find? We, we find faith. More, more on that faith in, in a little bit, uh, but, but there's a definite trajectory here. It's a trajectory that Jesus actually outlined um, in his very final command before he ascended into heaven. Uh, we read about it in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, which is a passage that, that we as a church are going to study and, and kind of dwell in um, in the fall. But this is what Acts uh, chapter uh, 1 verse 8 says, this is Jesus' final command before he ascends into heaven. The, the scriptures say that, that he said, you will receive power. He's talking to his disciples. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses uh, telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It, you, you see that same trajectory here a little bit, don't you? Uh, Nicodemus in Jerusalem, which is in Judea, the, the woman at the well who's in Samaria, and then this government official who we encounter at the very northern edge of Israel, kind of representing the, the, and the ends of the earth. There is this outward movement, and John, uh, who was a disciple of Jesus, he was there when Jesus gave that final command uh, that we read about in Acts 1.8. Um, he's, he is establishing uh, that Jesus isn't just the savior of Jews, he is the savior of everybody. He's the savior of the entire world. Um, he, he didn't just come for Jews. Uh, Jesus came for all people. He, he didn't just come for the, the, the clean-cut, perfect-life church folk. And, and, and if you're one of those, then Jesus did come for you. 
Uh, you're not excluded, but he didn't just come for you. He came for the outcast. He, he came for the one who had a bad reputation, who had screwed it all up. He came for the one who nobody ever gave a chance to because they didn't have the right heritage, the right religious pedigree, the right background. Jesus came for all people, even those of, uh, that, that you and I might consider our enemies. Jesus came for them too. He not only came for them, but he loves them and he wants them to be his own. He died for them to give them hope and new life just like he did for you and for me. And just because you look the part doesn't mean that your heart is right. Just like these stories illustrate and show, it could be exactly the opposite. It could be completely flip-flopped. In fact, this government official uh, who on the outside shouldn't even be considered a candidate for faith, he displays the most profound faith out of the three, out of these three stories. And, and it's that deep faith that I really want to spend the rest of uh, uh, this teaching time um, kind of centered and focused on. Uh, this story, in conjunction with the Nicodemus story and the woman at the well story, show different levels different depths of faith. They, they, they display different levels of seeking, of, of trust, of belief. All of these words can be interchanged here. Faith, trust, seeking, belief. Uh, remember uh, at the beginning the, of the section, kind of the foundation for these few weeks uh, described that, that because of the signs and wonders that Jesus had done, that people trusted in him, but that he didn't trust them because he could see into their hearts. He, he, he could see the truth. Um, when, when he looked into their hearts, just like Jesus looks into our hearts, uh, he could tell their level of seeking. He, he could tell the, the depth of faith that they had. And this government official displayed all three levels of seeking faith. Um, and, and they're levels that I think show up in our lives quite regularly. In fact, um, there, there are blanks in your message notes. Uh, definitely fill those in today. And, and yet the more important part is I want you to kind of do a self-evaluation as we go along and ask yourself the, the hard question, hey, well, where am I at? And if I'm really honest with myself, at what level, what, what depth of faith is currently operational in my heart, in my life? When Jesus looks there, what, what level of faith does he see? Uh, ask yourself those those difficult questions. Uh, now, now I think uh, the, the first level here, uh, this government official displays, uh, this first layer, I'm going to call it own agenda faith. Own agenda faith or, or own agenda seeking. Uh, this is a level of faith. Uh, it's, it's not faithless. It, it counts as something. Uh, look, look at the uh, government official. He's uh, his situation, he seeks Jesus out. Capernaum, where, where the government official was and stationed and lived, uh, to Cana, where, where he met up with Jesus, was uh, roughly 17 miles. Now, uh, 17 miles, that's about two-thirds of a, of a marathon. Uh, anybody run a marathon? That's, that's where you really start feeling it. Uh, two-thirds of the way through. I feel it long before then and collapse and quit. But uh, you might, uh, r marathon runners, you really start feeling about two-thirds of the way through. I did some uh, estimations here, and that's approximately the same distance from here if you take Route 40 uh, over to Highland and up to the Blue Springs Cafe, 
right? You could, you could run down there, uh, collapse, uh, but, but eat a foot-high pie uh, before you hit the ground, right? That's, that, that, that's a trek, but it's something that, that's doable. You could do that. That's, that's nothing for us today, but for him, that was, that was a, a multiple-day journey. It wasn't a nice stretch of highway that, that he could just walk or run on, uh, and no pie at the end of the road, unfortunately. But, um, uh, but he didn't have a car. He didn't have running shoes. Um, in order for him to do this trek, he must have really, really wanted to meet with Jesus. It was important to him. This wasn't just a casual trip. Uh, and he's like, ah, Maybe I'll ask Jesus if he can help. He, he really wanted to connect with Jesus. Maybe, maybe he had heard about the signs and wonders that Jesus had done at the Passover celebration. Maybe, maybe uh, since Cana was really close, maybe he had heard about the water into wine thing and thought, whoa, here's, here's a guy. We, we, we don't know what, what rumors he had heard, but we do know that he thought Jesus could do something for him. He, we, we know that he was desperate to find Jesus because his son was dying. He came seeking Jesus because he believed Jesus could help his situation. Um, he believed that Jesus could help. And that is a level of faith. Uh, we read this. We read that he went and begged Jesus to come to Capernaum to heal his son, who was about to die. He believed Jesus could help. But, but it's also clear that this government official had his own agenda. Jesus, come with me. He said, come with me to Capernaum, 17 miles away. Uh, this isn't just a, a little detour. This is, this is going to take an extra week or so for you to come with me and then eventually make your way back to whatever you're doing. This is a big ask. Uh, he, he, he had his agenda. He wanted Jesus to come with him. And at this point, his faith was driven by that. Uh, how often this is the case in our own lives where 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 the big things in our life, I mean, this was his son. This was a big thing. This wasn't a small thing with, with this government. This was a big thing. Think about the big things in your life. I mean, how, how often do, do you and I, we come to Jesus with, with faith that believes that Jesus can help, but being very clear about the way that we want Jesus to help. Jesus, get me a man and get him right now. Right? Or, or Jesus, I'm, I'm feeling the financial pressure. Here's the job opportunity. Hook me up now, Jesus. Uh, or or maybe, maybe we come something like this, just a, a real, real general. Jesus, here's my plan for life. Okay, I want to graduate from school. Some of you just did that recently. Uh, okay, I want to get a job. I want to get married. I want to have some kids. I want to get the better job so I can buy the, the bigger house so those kids aren't on top of me all the time. And then, then I want to get them through college, and then I want to retire, and, and, and then, then I want to, uh, you know, take a few vacations and, 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 and maybe then love on our grandkids. And by the way, Jesus, no health problems along the way. Okay? It, it, it sounds rather humorous when, when I share it like that, but gosh, it's like how presumptuous is that? And yet, whew, you know, it, we do it all the time. Don't, I mean, that's us. That's me. That's you. We approach God that way sometimes. With faith, yes, but with a heart of belief and seeking that, that really just needs things to go our way. That's what we're, we're in it for, for our own agenda, what we want to have happen. And, and Jesus responds to that, doesn't he? This is what he says. 
Verse 48, Jesus asked, will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? Remember, that's, uh, that's the, the same language that is used right at the beginning of this whole section. Uh, when people saw the signs and wonders that Jesus performed in Jerusalem, they believed in him. They began following him, and yet he didn't trust them. Jesus is asking the question. We're supposed to see this as a segment. This is a whole section working together. It's like bookends here. The signs and wonders. Jesus is bringing it up again. Is, this, is that what it takes for you to believe in me? Uh, I think that's at least a part of what Jesus is getting at here. Your own agenda, the, the signs and wonders that I do for you, that's not what real faith is about. It's a start, but it's not real belief. Will you never believe unless I do these things, he asks. What's really funny about this statement, uh, which you can't really understand from just reading the English, uh, but, uh, but when you look at the Greek, it's, it's very clear. The Greek is the original language this was written in. Jesus wasn't um, just uh, directly talking to the government official here. Um, in fact, what he does next indicates that the government official isn't the intended recipient of Jesus' words at all. Uh, the, the you statements in here uh, aren't singular, they're plural. Jesus is saying, will y'all <laughs> never believe in me uh, unless y'all see miraculous signs and wonders? It's a plural you. It's, if it would be singular if he was talking right to the, the government official, but, but it's not. He's he, he, he's, he's speaking to the, the audience, everybody else around. He's speaking to, to us today. But we'll see, uh, as we see, the government official's faith does go beyond his own agenda. The official pleaded, Lord, please come now. That's his agenda. Before my little boy dies. Then Jesus told him, go back home. Your son will live. And the man believed what Jesus said and started home. Jesus told him to go. He said, he said leave. I, I'm not coming with. But he also said, your son will live. I'll take care of you, Jesus is saying. But you're going to have to trust me. It's not going to happen the way you think it's going to happen. You know, I, I wonder, as I was reflecting on the scripture this week, I, I wondered if, if I'd be able to accept that. If it was my son. How about you? I do, do you trust in Jesus? Uh, is your, your faith, your, your level of seeking, your level of trust, does it take you to a point where you can lay down your, your own agenda on the most important things in your life and trust? The, the official did. He, he did. He, he displayed the second level of faith. Um, and it's related to the first. It's not an own agenda faith. It's an agenda-less faith. Verse 50, and the man believed what Jesus said, and he started home. He believed, he trusted, e even when he didn't get the kind of help that he really wanted and felt like he needed in the moment. The, the Bible says he believed what Jesus said, and he went home. That is some big-time trust. We don't see that kind of trust from Nicodemus. 
I don't know, we don't even see that kind of trust from the woman at the well. If, if you remember the scripture, that she like debates back and forth with Jesus for a little bit. Uh, but the, in this Gentile official, we find an unlikely faith. Are you willing to trust God even when things are not happening the way that you had hoped? And by trust, this is what I mean by trust, by being faithful and obedient to following Jesus, not, not abandoning his way for your own way when you're not getting your way. That kind of faith and trust. Will, will you cling to hope and joy in the midst of, of things not going according to your agenda because you know, you trust, you have faith that Jesus is with you? Will you keep doing the right thing? Will you keep following God even when it hurts and you don't see Jesus responding and bearing fruit the way that you had hoped? When your dreams aren't fulfilled the way that you anticipated, when when it seems like your prayers are not being answered, will you still trust? Will you still seek? Will you still believe even when it's difficult? Will you keep following Jesus? That is agendaless faith. I hope you stick it out. I, I, I hope that you keep clinging to hope and faithfulness while you trust Jesus in the midst of whatever, whatever those unknown parts of your life currently are. It, it might not turn out the way that you hoped. It, you might get what ultimately you long for in a confusing, roundabout way that only God can do, but you might not. And yet he is with you. He loves you. And this world is not your home. This is just the tip of the iceberg. It's just the beginning of the rest of eternity. The, the goal of this life is not happiness. And Jesus isn't in the doling out happiness business. The goal is faithfulness and trust in him as you become holy like God is. And, and I believe there will come a time after you remain faithful and exhibit um, an agendaless kind of a faith, uh, that you'll get to the deepest level of belief. Confirmed faith. The official left Jesus with agendaless faith. He trusted Jesus' word and he left with his own agenda unfulfilled. And when he learned, when he met his servant, and he learned that his son was healed at the very moment when Jesus said, your son will live. When he heard that, his faith was confirmed. And we read in verse 53, for him there was no going back. He and his entire household believed in Jesus. His faith was confirmed. You know, over the, the, these last few weeks, uh, I've laid out a few different road markers where you can kind of figure out where, where you may be at on your journey with Jesus. Uh, any, any number of us may be hiding. We may be hiding behind spiritual pride, religious activity, the way that Nicodemus was. We may be hiding behind shame, like the woman at the well was. Um, and yet the goal isn't just to come out of hiding. The goal is to go to deeper levels of faith. Maybe you're at the level of faith where you're seeking Jesus, believing that he really can make a difference in your life, but, but if you're honest, it comes 
with some stipulations, your own agenda stipulations. And anything short of that won't suffice for you. In fact, some of you, if, if, if you're really honest, you, you may be here and, and yet you may have already given up on God, given up on Jesus because somehow, somewhere along the way, you were let down and God didn't meet up with your agenda for your own life. And you've just kind of written him off and closed your heart. Or maybe you're here today and you're seeking Jesus with an agenda-less faith. You're clinging to hope that, that Jesus will see you through whatever trial that you are facing right now. And, and some of you, you've been there and you've seen God come through. Maybe not in the way that you hoped for initially or imagined, but you have seen, God has seen you through and your faith has been confirmed. And now you stand on solid ground that no matter what storms come in the future, you know that you'll be able to stand because Jesus is with you. You have a confirmed faith. You see, it's not just enough to come out of hiding. Jesus wants you to seek him fully. He wants each of us to, to go to those deep levels of faith and to trust him and, and to, to be faithful even when it hurts so that we can have our faith confirmed. No matter where you find yourself today, even better where Jesus, when he looks deep into your heart, finds you. I believe that he is calling us to those opportunities to trust him just a little bit more and to allow him to take each one of us to those deeper levels of faith. And, and one of the ways that we individually and as a church kind of say with our mouths and with our actions that, that we want to go to deeper levels of faith is, is to remember Jesus through Holy Communion. And we, as we remember how he set aside his own agenda and trusted God with the most important thing in his life, his very own life, uh, we see how his faith in, in God's plan was confirmed. Uh, all of us get to see that. So let's, uh, let's celebrate that together today.